Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast, a podcast helping people to understand their horses better, to provide solutions in a calm, connected way. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. Hi Mark, I'm going to go straight into the questions for you this week so um, people can start to get some answers. Uh, The first one is from Tracy and she's wondering if you might be able to just divulge a little bit of your extensive knowledge on sort of a saying that sometimes people hear battered around and and what your feelings are on it, whether you think it's got a lot of um, relevance or not. Um, I'll give you a bit of context to it first though. She's got a mare she took to one of your clinics a few weeks ago and she's new to um mark langley horsemanship and she's loving it so that's great to hear thank you tracy uh her mare has strong thoughts about the arena work though and since she did the clinic she took her mare then to a slightly different clinic working cattle ranch sorting and introduction to cutting and in that setting she responded really well she was confident and willing So she's wondering whether that change that she noticed in her is due to giving the horse a job as opposed to arena work. Is it a thing? Does it work? Um, To give your horse a job is a bit too, um, it's kind of a vague thing, uh, I find. um, And and the reason a job, I'm not saying it's bad, give your horse a job what, what, what's the job you know in a sense but in a sense of when it comes to sort of working cattle um you know the the sort of stuff that you that you did uh that you found opened your horse up is it basically gave a horse a pathway for its thoughts and you know that task of following something and you know distraction and looking at things and uh you know it gets them to go towards their thoughts better so it inspires a horse to go towards the thoughts make decisions for itself so it's a happier horse okay so um you know basically we've got to think is it's not necessarily giving a horse a job as such it's uh giving them a well it's kind of a task that requires them to sort of think about something um now sometimes a horse will think about the cattle more than us or something like that and then get really worried or whatever but um, and even when you're out on a, on a ride out in the bush, because there's so many logs to step over and things to look at, the horse's mind uh, has to come out and start to um, be more responsible because there's, there's more things out there that could be dangerous and things like that. So the horses start to think more um, and, and start to get a bit more desire. So what we're trying to do is create desire. And even you know when, when I was starting a lot of horses, if I found a horse that didn't have a lot of desire and it didn't have a lot of energy and it was a little bit um you know just just didn't have that confidence to then 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 i just sort of take it slow but i just gently start to take it out and give it a bit of few things to look at and it would start to look around and start to open up its senses and then it'd start to sort of start to travel and go towards its thoughts more and if i had a horse that i wanted to work it in a sort of a safer area in arena or something like that to do some other things um i'd firstly sometimes to get more impulsion and more desire, I would have taken it out a bit first. I'm not recommending everyone when they're starting horses, take them out first and bring them back to the arena because obviously you need a bit of foundation on them before you go out in the paddock. But just to get them sort of traveling and more inspired to go forward, things like that, I'd take them out because there's more stimulant out there for them to think about. Now you can, uh, so so by once the horse was actually confident and listening to me, feeling me and then going towards its thoughts, as I say, there's more to draw that horse's thoughts out of itself instead of just suck back on the person and go, I'm listening to you, but I can't make any decisions. 
so some horses listen really well, but we have to carry them along like a wheelbarrow. So, so basically that outside stuff and cattle and all that sort of stuff gets them thinking, draws them out. And, and it's not so, um, I'm just focused on pressure and I don't like pressure. Well, not all horses don't like pressure. If you teach a horse to be okay with pressure. Um, but this gets me onto the big thing of the subject is in training, if we provoke a horse to go towards us through thoughts through pressure, we don't have the same sound as as if we're just getting a horse to move away from pressure. So the example of, of you know, in the arena, the horse goes sour or things like that. Most horses in arena one get hammered more in an arena. So, oh, you know, I want you to do circles here, circles here, back up here, go here, and it's just like constant. And then when they go on the trail ride, the person sits there and they talk to their friends. So the horse goes, oh, this is good. I like it out here. Um, now, sometimes, you know, so that, that that's like the distaste of being constantly hammered in an arena so we can sour horses. Um, but in most cases, what, what, what it is is, uh, when we train our horses, uh, we, we obviously sometimes get them to move away from pressure. You know, move off my leg, move back off the reins, move. And a lot of horses are just moving off the pressure, like the pressure of the bit comes on, they move off the pressure, the pressure of the leg comes on, and they're just thinking on the pressure. So the person is carrying them with their legs and the horse constantly wants to stop a bit, but it doesn't matter because the horse, uh, the person kind of uh, makes up for it by just adding more leg and keeping them going or a stick or something like that. Um, so the horses just think on pressure, so they become very, um, you know, sour because all they're doing is just moving off pressure. And you can imagine it like I'm just moving off that pressure, I'm just moving off that pressure, and they're not thinking. So what you have to do is you, you have to set uh, clear questions that have answers that require a horse to think. So people wonder why I don't, you know, I've got this horse that won't go out and wonder why I just keep asking the same question and not pushing it too much. It's because I want that horse to go, oh, I'm going to let go of the pressure and I'm going to go towards my thoughts. And then when it does that, it starts to go, I'm going towards my thoughts. Where am I going? And then all of a sudden, it's making a decision for itself. Uh, you know, when you pick up a left rein, I'm thinking left, I'm going to the left, I'm going towards my thoughts. So of course, the horse is doing it for themselves. They, they don't sour as much. And that's why uh, if you set up in the arena, even though there's less stimulant, it's kind of a sort of a boxed off place that, that doesn't have as much stuff. A horse can still happily go around following the left rein, the right rein, thinking backwards uh, with a lot less soundness because it's actually pressure is a um, uh, an opportunity, not a threat. So when a horse thinks on pressure and moves off pressure, just, just thinking about the pressure, um, it's a threat. When you put pressure on and the horse goes, oh, pressure's coming in here and that wants, and I'm going to think over here, then basically what happens is the horse goes, pressure is an opportunity. So you add pressure, it's opportunity to go towards his thoughts and then the horse is a lot happier and a lot softer. So if you can inspire your horse to, to, to go towards their thoughts in an arena, then the arena is not such a bad place. But what makes a horse go towards his thoughts on the outside and moving cattle, doing jobs as such, is there's more things to take that horse to think about. So it brings it out to go towards his thoughts more. That's why they're happier outside because even that sort of log or gully brings that horse's thoughts out to say, I need to wear, watch where my foot goes so I don't you know, fall in a hole. That's a horse doing something for itself. Once you do something for yourself, you start to feel happier, more positive. Uh, once you just move away from pressure, the pressure becomes a threat and you're not doing something for yourself, you get more sour. And that's just basically, that's the way I see it anyway. Um, so yeah, sometimes jobs inspire more thought in a horse because there's more... Um, more things happening. 
I sense from your answer though that there's a negative side to that saying. Is there another yeah, context? Yeah, there is that's because um, the, the negative side is, is people just think that well, I gotta give my horse a job. It's not the job; it's the it's the thought pattern behind the task that's making the horse soft and feel right. good. So if they just went out and gave their horse a job, like I'm going to sit on my horse and just, uh, you know, because I've seen plenty of horses that really hate working cattle because they've just been frightened of pressure and they just mm. are too fractured uh, because they don't understand the pressure of our legs and our reins that well and then they're made to sort of gallop and chase cattle and all this sort of stuff so they just end up fried. So giving them a job just made it worse because they actually put them in Afghanistan without any tools. Uh, so then the horse ends up with post-traumatic stress syndrome every time it sees cattle. So that's the other side of it, you know, so that horse needed better foundation. But if the person was training it in a way that was constantly moving away from pressure, they could have spent years in the arena and still not have a horse that's going to be soft after cattle because it's so worried about the pressure that's applied to it in the arena. So, you know, if we just went out, the horse is a bit sour, let's give it a job, we could blow it up because the horse actually doesn't understand stuff in the arena or in a, in a safe place and then we give it a job and then we just suddenly give it a job which requires which is basically way more stress uh on that horse and then and then it goes wrong so uh some horses that can blow their mind um and the other thing is you know if 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 we just say we're giving our horse a job and we're not recognizing that horse is thinking for itself and pressure is an opportunity not a threat then we're really not you know we're just making it do something that's oh, i'm going to go do a job no no it's going, to, it's going to be the same problem. Right, nothing simple. as, <laughs> But uh, definitely some things to think about there, Tracy. Okay, uh, the next question is a little bit more technical. It's all about bits and whether to use them or not. It comes from Carla. Um, she's over in Germany. She's looking forward to working with you. She'll be training with you, Mark, when you're in Cologne and Sendenhorst. So that's coming up. And Carla says um, that she's got a four-year-old warm blood gelding and they haven't yet introduced a bit into the training. What they do is they use a bridle that crosses under the chin and the reins are pulled from the opposite side when they're placed. The problem is that she's noticed is that when you release pressure with the reins, the crisscross under the chin holds tension. So she feels like in general, their steering and stopping is not great, but um, maybe a bit wouldn't necessarily help with this because it feels like he perhaps is not understanding or paying attention. She has tried long lining and she doesn't really feel confident with the long lines. So she's wondering whether she should just try a bit or try a rope halter, side pull or bosal. What were your thoughts on that? Um, just change the side pull really at the end of the day, if you want to make a simple change, um, just do a basic side pull where the reins just come from the side of the horse's uh, face instead of a cross under system. There's a two different types of cross under systems. One of them kind of crosses under, it goes kind of around the head, crosses under, and and the other one is a, it kind of just has a chin one that comes up through here and that kind of tightens up a little bit as you use the reins. Um, the problem with it, it's all work, it's all just, um, you know, you, you, you've got something slipping through something else. And as you say, it's not, not sort of releasing as quick. So the cross under ones that were sort of the rubbery ones never sort of released that quick. The leather was a bit smoother, but still at the end of the day, I want a direct feel to that side of the horse. I don't want a sort of some cross under system going around the head. And some of the cross under systems that go around the head 
uh, in the blurb about them, they're designed to get a horse to kind of want to hug the head and want to bring the head down. Well, we don't actually want the horse just to bring his head down to pole pressure when we ride it. We want it to actually lift the wither and balance uh, properly, not just bring the head down. So actually you don't necessarily, you know, sometimes you want to lift the head up um, in training. So <clears throat> I like just a direct feel that I know where the rain's going and I know it's there's no kind of, you know, roundabout deviation that that rain goes through to, you know, get some sort of response. Um, so I'm big on three-dimensional reins. You know, sometimes you lift it, sometimes you open it, sometimes they're, they're all over um, to, get, get to, to get a young horse to balance. And so basic side pull. If you look at your cross-under system, you probably, I'll nearly guarantee that you can take the cross-under off, uh, go straight to the rings that you have on the side, and to replace the chin strap, uh, to, to um, the throat latch, to replace the throat latch, which uh, you would just um, get somebody to make a throat latch with two buckles on it, and that would turn into your new throat latch. I'm pretty sure you could get away with trying that. And you could turn your current bitless into a just a normal bitless bridle, side pull bitless bridle without the cross under. Um, regarding a bosal, don't go near a bosal. I'm not saying for the basal people that basals are bad. I'm just saying if you're learning and you're trying to, uh, um, you know, mouth your horse, a basal, uh, if you look at the basal, it, uh, the, if you pull a right rein, the basal, because it comes at the back, will much like a holder will do the same thing, will turn left. So you pull the rein right, but the ring turns right. Uh, so you pull the right rein and the ring turns left. You pull the left rein and the ring turns right, which means uh, it's kind of, for, you know, if you use it wrong, it's forcing, it's, it's pushing against the way you want your horse to bend. So you have to be very careful and because they're quite rigid. So to me, a horse has to have a fair bit of, bit more foundation and know how to bend and look into a turn before you go to a bosal if you're going that sort of style of Western riding. But you can do a lot in a side pull and you don't need it. Um, so I'd recommend the side pull as my, you know, especially for the riding you're doing in Germany. Uh, it's a bit like riding in a snaffle bit in the sense that it's very direct to the sides of the mouth. And you can do all your rein positions, you know, quite easily with it. Uh, it's kind on the horse. Um, and once you've got the horse balancing really nice and there's no trauma, the horse is soft and wanting to follow rein and backing nice and you're not finding that it's sort of leaning and sort of lost, then I tend to go, if you wanted to go to a bit, you go to a bit. But if the horse is lost and pushing, then basically you're going to have to do that through its mouth and you can get a lot done without having to go to its mouth and cause, you know, unwanted bruising or... Uh, damage in its mouth so when the horse is a lot softer again then I'd probably go to a bit and say now follow the bit um, if you wanted the bit in, in and you don't have to ride in the bit uh, but uh, a bit can also give you some levels of refinement depending on the angles you can put in their mouth and the way you can sort of you know float the bit in their mouth in different spots you, you, you can get a certain level of refinement which is quite nice um, but at the, in saying that you can get a lot done and just about just get everything you want it done without it um, but as I say, get it done right with the side pull before you go to the bit so you're not biting on their mouth and worrying them. Great. Okay. Next question is from Nicole. Completely different matter, I'm afraid. This one, um, although it's to do with the mouth, is about biting. She's got a new horse that has just started biting when doing groundwork. Doesn't matter if her hand is close up to the lead rope or just walking ahead and it's becoming quite a problem. Yeah, there's lots of different reasons for biting. Um, like we had a horse at the last clinic, was he was quite extreme in his 
in his ways, but he was a young horse that hadn't been exposed properly to herds and things like that. And he was desperate for certain things, but you couldn't allow him to do it because uh, he had no idea of boundaries or anything like that. So his desperation to nip and play, and also he didn't know whether to be aggressive or not. He had his, his kind of, uh, so, so it was, it was very, we had to be very clear that we didn't want any nipping uh, or anything like that. And, and, you know, even, you know, oh, well, let's just listen to him and let him get that out of his system. Well, he didn't have any idea of how to be around people or probably even other horses um, to be able to allow him to just get it out of his system and then say, oh, that's right, I've done it now, I'll soften. So that was like the playful biting. And, and I think it just, it, it was like, because, you know, with the owner, he was kind of really challenging her boundaries as well. And in the sense that he wants to play and bite, but then he also wants to sort of say, hey, I want to push you down the pecking order as well. And so, so for him, there was no way we'd allow any sort of little bit of nibbling to see if that just sort of softens them and gets it out of their system. Uh, with some shutdown horses and stuff, you might allow that, but not, not definitely not with a horse um, like that because, yeah, it would, would lead, one thing would lead to another. So I have a feeling by the sounds of it, as you're educating your horse, the biting is something that is like, oh, you're pushing on me and niggling me and I'm getting niggled about it and I'm going to get nippy about it. So part of the biting is <clears throat> through the horse not finding the soft answers. Uh, and, and sometimes it might be just offering more clarity in the question. So when you ask it to back up and you're pushing, it starts to go, yeah, 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 with its mouth, then you might push a little firmer till it gets through to its feet and starts to think backwards. And then the horse is thinking and moving a bit freer. And that'll take over that bit of extra firmness and that trying to get it to balance and think backwards might get that horse to think about that more. And then as it starts to think about that, the nibbling might stop a little and they just soften as the horse finds the backup. So the backup becomes the replacement or following the fuel becomes the replacement. Inevitably, what's happening is the horse is letting go of that thought to take on a new thought. So, so all training is mostly about uh, offering horse an alternative to what it's doing. So, and that could just mean firming up a little bit to, to get some clarity instead of a long, consistent pressure where the horse is just going, I don't really know, and I've just got a bit to get annoyed with this. Okay, the other thing that, that you can do is just do the basic let go of that uh, idea. So so basically, um, you know, when, you, when you're doing something and the horse starts to sort of just start to get niggly and just that thought, train of thought goes off to biting and nibbling and all that sort of stuff, you can do something like, hey, let go of that. And they get a little shock and they go, like, I'll pop a flag and they go, oh, and then you stand quietly and then their mind softens. Um, for horses that are a bit defensive when we come into their space and things like that to work them, I actually get them to come up the rope to me and then I grab the knot and then I start to work them from the knot um, instead of going for the hand and just going with my hand straight up underneath their chin and taking a grab at them uh, and then get defensive because I'm just coming up and like I'm poking someone on the nose or something, I'll get them to lead up to my hand and just work them a little bit. But as I say, if I was doing any exercises where the horse was kind of just biting at me, biting at my hand, all that sort of stuff, I'd either reinforce the exercise a bit to get the horse to let go of the strong thought of biting until it softens into the feel. Um, or I might do a reset, which as I say, could be a bang on the leg, a flag and reset it and then say, try again. Um, but I don't go at them for it. I don't go, ah, get out of that, you know, and, and, and make them defensive because if they're starting to test that sort of stuff, I'll do something big to let, get them let go of thought, but then I'll stand very quietly and calmly and, and a second later I might put my hand out for them to sniff on or something like that to show them that you know soft 
soft interactions okay but hard interactions not so i don't just sort of say don't do that i say let go of that now how do you want to say hello good now this is how we say hello softly you know if someone walked up to you and just walked into your space and grabbed you by the hand and shook your hand you'd feel pretty uncomfortable but if someone meets you quite evenly and equally and gives you an even handshake where you both can gauge each other a bit it's okay it's on both terms that are equal terms uh, and that's what we're sort of trying to do we might just go in on equal terms and say now let's softly say hello now when i take the knot that's not a challenge of me versus you that's you learning how to follow the knot and things like that and there's so many other areas that that'll come into play but basically they've got to let go of that it could be through better question uh, a more clear question where the horse actually finds the answer instead of wondering and getting anxious and worried uh, or two and just a clear let go of that thought but then after that allow them to soften and feel good about uh, just letting go of that thought and then we go back to a bit of education again great thank you very much mark okay that's all we've got time for today so thank you very much to the questions to all of our members and Mark, we look forward to good luck with your uh, tour in Europe. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon. You can learn more from Mark and his approach online through his online training videos. Just search Mark Langley Horsemanship. Join hundreds of others around the world making real progress, fixing problems and improving their relationship with their horses. There are now over 500 training videos. Make use of the seven day free trial and take a look. Membership is just $15 a month and you get to ask Mark a question.